0: All you reality TV lovers, we've got an extra special episode of The Girls Uninterrupted with our very own Aisha Scott from the latest season of Below Deck Mediterranean, all thanks to Hey You, the best of reality TV. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Some good news for the Little Mermaid producers, Imogen Wells.
0: I'm sure they need great news. What's the great news?
1: <laughs> uh, we put up on Insta yesterday, we asked uh, if you'd be interested in seeing the movie or ice And 54% of those who responded said yes, they would
0: be. Oh, so they might not get James Crute's dollars, but it's good to know that the Little Mermaid producers will get some money from some usable listeners.
1: I'd kind of like to see a brutally honest review from James Crute.
0: I will say, in my preparation for our uh, chat with James... The reviews are mixed online.
1: Oh, I don't know who to believe when it comes to online reviews anymore. They're just all over the place. Um, But I suppose this is the modern world. Anyway, let's get through, shall we? Uh, Kilda, this is Newsable. I'm Emil.
0: And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. We're going to take you behind the headlines of one of New Zealand's worst serial sexual assault cases. It's the story of the Mamahooch Predators.
1: Also, we're now a third of the way through 2023. And you wouldn't be alone if you're feeling a wee bit burnt out. so, how do you cure it?
0: We're talking sex and the new podcast that wants to get more of us talking about it.
1: And plus, do I need to say it? Go on, say it. It's time for another Fun Fact Friday showdown.
0: Pew, pew, pew. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Those convicted in a long-running sexual abuse case in Christchurch have finally been revealed.
1: They are Danny Jazz, who is 40 and a father of two, and his younger brother, Roberto, who's 38.
0: They were convicted of dozens of crimes, including rape, sexual violation, indecent assault... And spiking drinks.
1: The abuse was all connected with a bar called Mama Hooch, which was run by the two brothers.
0: Staff investigative reporter Blair Ens has been covering this case since it first started and joins us now to tell us all about it. Kia ora, Blair. Hey, guys. Blair, can you remind us how this all came to light?
2: So back in 2018, uh, two 18-year-old women uh, alleged that they had been drugged and sexually assaulted uh, on a night out at Mamahooch. And from there, kind of things snowballed pretty quickly. Um, When news of their allegations hit the media, there was kind of an avalanche of of women who came forward with uh, allegations of drink spiking. Some of them alleged that they'd been sexually assaulted by the Jazz Brothers. Um, and, uh, look, it took nearly five years to get this matter to trial, and I'm sure you want to talk about that more later on, but by the time it got to trial, there were more than 30 complainants in this case, and it was one of the country's biggest ever prosecutions of its kind.
1: Blair, do the police take all of those complainants, all of those allegations, seriously from day dot, or...?
2: There, there was a complaint that was made uh, six or seven months prior to the two women coming forward, uh, and she alleged she, she had been sexually violated by um, Danny Jazz. There was a delay in Danny being interviewed in relation to her allegations, which police have acknowledged uh, was less than ideal. Yeah, there was definitely noise around the bar and concerns around behaviour, particularly of, of Danny prior to the other two women coming forward.
0: Talk to us a bit about that 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 time between those first allegations to now case in front of a judge and and suppression lifted.
2: Look, I think it was um, a pretty frustrating kind of nearly five years for everyone involved. As a journalist sitting on the sidelines, with these blanket suppression orders in place, there was very little we could do to kind of report about what it was that these guys were facing and the kind of true extent of the police investigation. And equally, for all the victims, I've had to sit through this this period, um, and uh, you know, people are trying to get on with their lives, but in the back of their minds, they've got this looming trial ahead of them. I've been dealing very closely with one of the original complainants, um, and that's one of the things that she stresses is it's just never gone away, and she's been unable to kind of close the chapter on on that door of her life. Mm. There were a lot of reasons for the delays in it getting to trial. Obviously, COVID-19 happened between 2018 and now, which uh, caused delays, and I don't think they wanted to start such a massive trial with the risk of jurors falling sick with COVID and having to abandon it. There were two of Danny Jazz's interviews that were tossed out because of uh, issues with the way that police had conducted them.
1: Blair, you know, you've covered a lot of pretty horrifying stuff in your career, not to put you at the centre of the story, obviously the victims are at the centre of the story, but this is this is something really, really quite extreme, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I guess uh, covering crime for so long, you kind of become dispassionate to a degree about um, what it is you cover. But I think sitting in court, it was hard not to be affected as you watched you know, victim after victim after victim come forward and tell these kind of harrowing stories of, of what they'd been subjected to by these guys.
0: Uh, you mentioned you'd been in, in touch with one of those original complainants. Tell us a bit more about um, how, how they've been feeling throughout all this.
2: She's had a pretty tired time of it. I mean, because of the suppression and the fact that the, the Jazz brothers were out on bail... She ran into Roberto Jazz who, who you know, who attack, attacked her. She ran into him in town and she had a panic attack. Mm. She herself one night after she'd made the allegations frustrated at the fact that there appeared to be other women that were being affected by these guys before they were ultimately charged. She went down to Mama Hooch and stood outside the bar and warned women trying to get in to the bar. I won't tell you the full story about that because um, there's some details there that are pretty disturbing. I've been dealing with uh, her as a victim, but I've also been speaking uh, to parents of some of the victims, mm-hmm. and they've had to sit on the sidelines and watch kind of the pain and anguish and, you know, the stress associated with having to, you know, get this matter to trial, and, um, you know, they, they talk about how the girls blamed themselves for what had happened, um, and uh, they're pretty ropeable about, how long it has taken to get to where we are now. um, they believe that the justice system really needs to take a long hard look at itself. They appreciate that it was a massive prosecution and there were huge numbers of complainants and a, a you know a mountain of evidence to get through. But they just feel like it was totally unacceptable that that victims were made to to wait that long.
1: And I guess that sort of highlights a big issue with sexual assault cases more widely, isn't it? The idea that people don't come forward because they really get put through the
2: ring. Yeah, exactly. What what sort of message does that send to people? You know. But I will say the victim that I have been dealing with says that she hopes you know the outcome of this case, and the fact that it's exposed these guys and they are steering down the barrel of lengthy jail terms kind of shines a light for other victims to know that, you know, predators like this can be stopped.
1: Blair actually has a long read podcast coming out this weekend with a lot more detail about how this is all gone. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. Blair, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No problems. So there's a lot going on at the moment for you to say. We've all had a bit of a time these last few years Emotional and mental exhaustion, fear over what comes next, feeling negative, maybe about work. Is it even worth it? I guess that sounds familiar to you, Amo?
0: Oh, it sounds all too familiar. And if that also sounds familiar to you, you could be burnt out. Here to tell us how to deal with feeling burnt out is Charlie Crisp from Unyoked. Kia ora, Charlie.
3: Kia ora, good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Charlie, how do you end burnout?
3: I think burnout's something that goes across all industries. You know, more of us are feeling it every day off the back of the pandemic. Um, It's not great for ourselves. It's not great for, you know, our colleagues, our employers. It's definitely not great for our families either. You know, I think a good way to reduce it is simply just to get outside. You know, human nature needs nature. One of the things we believe our mission at Unyoked is to help people access it more often.
1: Charlie, you know, there is this kind of like romance to the idea of going off the grid. Why, Why do you think that is?
3: You know, one of the main reasons, I think, is the reduction in your natural hormone, so your, your cortisol levels. You know, I think it actually decreases by around 21% per hour when you're spent immersed in nature. There's also a lot of research that suggests that, um, you know, exposure to nature has improved quality of sleep and quantity of sleep.
0: Why? How, how does nature have that hold over us, I guess?
3: Yeah, it's a good question. I think being outdoors has a way of just slowing us down. It allows us to get down to our base pace that nowhere else can really do. And I think that's what it's all about.
0: Base pace. I like that.
1: Charlie, Unyoked offers these uh, Think Weeks, um, which is, I think, something that Bill Gates has talked a bit about and and credits part of his success to. Tell us a bit about these. What's a Think Week?
3: Yeah, so I think it um, stems from that concept of periodization. So the likes of very creative thinkers like the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs of this world, You know, use it as a concept of periodization of switching off so that you can switch on in order to achieve your goals. They actively block out a week of their year just to go and immerse themselves in nature in the wilderness, come back more creative, solve, you know, tricky problems and use it as a place of reflection and come back with a new new sense of perspective.
0: For people who maybe can't block out a whole week, uh, for people looking for more budget-friendly, cheap options, what can they do to clear their mind and get some of those same benefits?
3: Yeah, I mean, selfishly, we'd obviously want people to go and check out cabins. But I think, you know, we're massive advocates for just going for a walk in the park for half an hour at lunchtime. You know, if you, if you adapt that into your behavioural pattern.
1: Great stuff. Charlie Chris from Unyoked, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it.
3: Hey, thanks very much, guys. Cheers. Today on League of Our Own, we chat with our feline friend, West Tiger and soon-to-be panther, uh, so Papalii, see what I did there, like Yeah. Like the Warriors are 12 matches down with 12 to go. We talk their season to date, and if they could still land a final spot, we preview round 14 with the Waas and Townsville and a whole host of massive matches, including the Bronx and the Sharks. And we are officially in the state of origin window. It's an Australian representative competition, <laughs> yet Kiwis <laughs> love this thing. League of Our Own with Blery and Goran. Listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals.
1: Hey, here's something that might make your ears prick up. Compared to the rest of the world, New Zealanders in general having lots of sex.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Good on ya.
1: But, there oh. is a but. Oh, no. A lot of the sex that we are having is, according to researchers, pretty low quality, average, mediocre.
0: I would love to know the methodology of this research. Like, if the question is in person as well, how would you describe your sex? And they're like, eh, low quality.
1: I imagine it's <laughs> self reported. Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, Stuff's new podcast with Pop Sock Media is called The Good Sex Project. And its host, Melody Thomas, is with us now to check Kia ora. Kia ora. What's going on here? Tell us about this data. Why are we having lots of sex but not so great sex?
4: A lot of people are having average sex that's not just endemic to New Zealanders. So there's some reassurance there. Mm. But we do have more of it on average than um, people in a lot of other countries. So I guess that would round out to more average sexual encounters um, overall.
1: And so I guess, you know, this is one of the questions that you get into in the podcast. So tell us about the podcast. What is the idea? How, How do you want to change up the game here?
4: Uh, It's called The Good Sex Project, but it really is more about uh, eliminating the bad and average sex, I would say. You know, we will get to the good, great, amazing, super orgasmic sex one day, but we're not there yet. (laughs) I'd like us to get to just kind of an even playing field first. The premise of the series is good sex, good relationships, and how to have them. And then also, like, how to, can good sex and good relationships coexist hand in hand in the long term is, is is part of the question and we address it by interviewing everyday people about their sex and love lives as well as experts and academics um, to contextualize some of the stuff that we're hearing from people.
1: You've done a podcast about sex before it must be interesting doing this because it's something that people don't really talk about whereas you I mean we know each other from outside this like you, you sort of relish it don't you? I love it yeah
4: I love it so much yeah I think we are bad at talking about it, but it's the moment you ask people to share something. Um, it is incredible what people will offer up, and a lot of the time it seems like they've just been waiting for an opportunity to talk about this stuff.
1: Yeah, like a mental block kind of thing. And then once once it's it's, it's emphasised to you that it's it's okay, it's okay That's to it. talk about this, then it's like wow. Well,
4: <laughs> well <so>
1: gather around. <laughs>
4: absolutely, yeah, absolutely. What's one of the things you've learnt? making this podcast? I have learned a lot and it's really hard to narrow it down, but I guess one of the things I take away from this kind of work every time is just how many people feel really alone and really ashamed when it comes to sex, sexuality, love. You know, you asked before how much sex are we having and I know you were talking about it in terms of that promiscuity data, but we get so wrapped up in ideas around what is normal and people are always thinking and within long-term relationships, how much sex are other couples having? Are we normal? are we on track like people just feel alone feel like there's this normal that exists out there that they are not and the thing is that the normal is a myth it doesn't exist whatever is working for you is your normal And then once people share these things, you get the emails from other people saying, I can't believe that I heard that story that represents my story and I'm not alone. And and that's the huge takeaway and the thing that I love the most about it is hearing people represented, hearing people telling your story makes people feel that much less alone and weird and ashamed.
1: Top tips from Melody Thomas, the host of The Good Sex Project. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And The Good Sex Project is out Sunday. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts.
0: If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. you.
1: It's Friday. The scene's set.
0: I'm not even speaking because I'm just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't think of the words.
1: You're speechless with was excitement. Speechless, yeah. Of course, fun fact Friday, the. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're both silly. It's Friday. We're silly. As you mentioned earlier in the show, we're a third of the way through the year. Yeah, I'm wow. almost ready to take a 12 week holiday, I think. Score's
1: 8 3 at the moment, I think.
0: I think it might be 9, but I might have made that up.
1: Although, of course, I have my. Um, gripes about the methodology of how Front Fat Friday is calculated in the past couple of weeks.
0: Someone sounds a little bit trumpy at the moment.
1: We will be doing an end-of-year review about this. Um, You
0: go first. Go on. Actually, no, I want to go first because I'm actually a bit anxious that we're going to have come with the same fact this week.
1: I really don't think that we came with the same fact this week. Okay, that's
0: all good. All right, you go first then.
1: My fact is kind of springboarding off our chat earlier with Melody Thomas. So, I want to take you back to the early 2000s, Imogen Wells. Okay. And at that time in history, of course, Harry Potter and Harry Potter related merch was everywhere, wasn't it?
0: I'm anxious. Yeah. As to where you're going with this.
1: Okay. So um, the toy manufacturer Mattel, which I think makes Barbie dolls, it does. It had to withdraw from market a toy that it made, which was a vibrating Nimbus 2001 broomstick. <laughs> um, because this toy was being bulk bought by uh, certain, shall we say, certain age-related, age-restricted retail outlet stores uh, and then on-sold <laughs> for, for, for hefty markups.
0: That's a very good fact. I don't know what to say again. She is speechless once again for the second time in this tiny segment.
1: You, I think we have to be careful how we respond to that one. I so. think that's,
0: I'm just going to, yeah, great fact, funny. Um, I'm not going to say any more. My fun fact is that Tina Turner was a Guinness World Record holder. Mm -hmm. In 1988, she set a Guinness World Record for the largest paying concert attendance for a solo artist. That is the whole term um, for her world record. She performed in front of around 180,000 people at the Maracana Stadium in Rio, Brazil. But it doesn't stop there because then in the year 2000, popular... Yeah, for fun facts. Uh, She had sold more tickets than any other solo performing artist in history, according to the Guinness World Records as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, those are the fun facts for this week. Head to our Instagram. Place your bets, place your votes. That's Newsball for today. I'm Imogen Wells.
1: And I'm Emil Donovan. Remember, you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts and across all of your social channels as well, at newsable.nz.
0: And also, if you know someone who'd enjoy this potty, newsable, Monday to Saturday, share it with them. Let's get more people involved.
1: Have a great weekend. Catch you on Monday.
0: This week on The Girls Uninterrupted. I'm not having a go, I'm just saying. No, you can, you can, but I would never put them on my feet. It is a croc phone, it's
4: 100% a croc phone, and you are the biggest against crocs. I actually really like it. I just think that you need to now say crocs are cool.
0: No, I don't, no, no.
2: (laughs) It's giving hypocrisy.
0: Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The Girls Uninterrupted is proudly brought to you by our mates at Unichem and Life Pharmacy.